Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. It is Tuesday, April 28th. It's the Tuesday show. That means it's Leanne and Julie on the line. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm joined by my sister, Julie, who is in Dallas, Texas. Julie, you were AWOL last weekend, and you're going to tell us where you were, right? <laughs> yes, Lee, and I have some exciting news uh, that I'll, I'll tell you about all my, my big weekend adventures. Oh, yes. excellent. Okay, we have a full show today, even though it's Tuesday, and we promise to go deep on shallow topics. And some of those shallow topics we're going to be looking at today, Julie, are how to dress thinner. We're going to be de- deconstructing that. <laughs> all right? I have a question about yogurt I'd like to ask. Mm-hmm. We also have a scallop potato update and a book nook. So... Wow. And we might, if we have time, Leanne, get into a clog versus sketchers war. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. So you can see we have really been going deep uh, this morning to prepare for this show. If you are new to Satellite Sisters, we'd like to welcome you. There are 15 years of podcasts. Don't get scared. Over there at SatelliteSisters.com. Lots and lots of shows you can listen to, but we're happy to have you listening to our show now. It's just Julie and I on Tuesdays because our other three sisters, Monica, Sheila, and Liz, have work that does not allow them to take off large amounts of time in the middle of the day. But Julie and I have more flexible work schedules. That's why we're here for you. Right, Joel? That's correctly. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, first up, oh, and then of course we have our Outlander recap. Oh, how could we forget? Because how, how could we Land. forget the skinny dipping? Uh, Leanne, we, we're going to talk about it all, but I have to tell you, I am in so deep with this Outlander show that two nights ago, I had a dream where I was time traveling. I had a <laughs> How is that possible? But in my dream, I was time traveling. Okay. So yes, we're going to talk all about Outlander um, at the end of the show. But I first want to start off by telling you about my big weekend. Yeah. We were celebrating my husband's birthday. It was a big one. Okay. And we, you know, he didn't want to party. He didn't want a trip. We just really wanted to get the whole family together. That's our two grown sons our lovely, lovely daughter-in-laws and our four grandchildren. And uh, so we did, you know, we've been going back and forth on this and I decided, you know, we were going to go somewhere. We, we only had four days, so it couldn't be too far. We, you know, we had all kinds of parameters in terms of travel and who could go by car and who couldn't. So we picked the city of Austin to go to and having had, you know, and we rented a house in Austin. Oh, you know, wow. Went to one of those sites, you know, we didn't want to stay in a hotel because we have little ones, you right. know, and that, you know, they don't, they really don't want room service. You know, they just, you know, you really, <laughs> we wanted to have a kitchen and I wanted to have a pool because it's hot in, uh, in Texas at this time of year. And I thought that would be a good, a good activity. And you never really know, you know, when you rent those houses online Lee, and what you're going to get right you know see the pictures and I, I mean I was really I was nervous about it and I'm happy to say the house exceeded our expectations oh great it worked out great everyone had their own room we had this lovely pool we had a nice big kitchen to cook meals in they had a play area for the kids and the bonus 
they had a chicken coop with oh. live chickens. <laughs> of course, because it's Austin. Yeah, yeah sure. They had some chickens, right? <laughs> so, uh, so that was great fun. And the good news is we did not kill the chickens over the weekend. <laughs> that's good, that is good. We did not let them out of their cage, which I thought was going to happen. At one point, the five-year-old did have his lightsaber <laughs> in the chicken coop, yes. like, and he was st- yes. trying to stab yes. the chickens. Okay, but they 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 survived. They were all alive. When I left on Monday morning, so uh, so that was great, but I mean there there was nothing sweeter than to you know to have a nice family birthday party, um, you know with everybody there together, and it was nice for my sons because they don't get to see each other you know that often to have their families spending time together. But I of course, Leon had an ulterior motive, you know. <laughs> oh. Okay, because you know I I was urban nana this winter. I've spent most of the winter in Brooklyn, New. York, where my younger son and his wife and my lovely uh, granddaughter, Josephine, live. And, uh, you know, and I was just thinking, gee, it would be really nice for to have them closer, you know, and just. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me, Lena? Well, just... Their whole lives you've been manipulating yes. <laughs> behind the scenes. You've been. Yes. But you know, Leon, when you have adult children, right. you really can't tell them anything. No. Not one single thing. I mean, they all, the mantra is. You, you, you know, no matter what the question or what they're asking, you know, the answer is, I know you'll make the right decision. You know, they, they don't really want to hear your opinion. Right. But I, so I had a two pronged attack. Okay. Yeah. And my attack was, I thought if I could lure them to the city of Austin and they could just experience the Austin lifestyle, which is great. Okay. It's a young city. There's a great university there. There's a whole tech community there. There's a, um, there's a big food scene in Austin, obviously a lot of music there. Um, you know, it's easy living in Austin. It's the Brooklyn of Texas. It's really. Yes, it is. (laughs) There's a lot of hipsters. There are a lot of people that, you know, that look like, so I thought if they could just have some time to sort of take in the, uh, to that lifestyle that, you know, maybe they could get that on their radar screen that, that this is where they might like to come without me. I think that's a pretty good plan actually. Okay. So that was a, a prong one. My prong two of the plan was I entered the HGTV dream home, which they are giving away a home in Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. You see, you see. Yeah. So the contest goes until June 15th. So I have to, you know, I have to ap- uh, apply a few more times, you know, fill in that the sweepstakes uh, contest. But I feel like if I can give them the yeah. HGTV uh, dream home, yeah. smart home, then that then does that seem is, that seems pretty that's good. Since the since the deal, okay, <laughs> it's kind of a long shot, <laughs> but that's my plan, Lynn. Okay. How'd they feel about Austin? Did they? They fall? did like. They yeah, did like it. They liked it very much. Uh, again, I did some. We, my husband and I, did some babysitting. So, uh, so the parents had some time to go out and you know go to the farmers market during the day, walk around on South Congress Street, you know, see the action on the river there. You know, there's a lot of people like floating and kayaking and doing stuff on the river in downtown Austin. So yeah, I think they liked it. I don't think they're ready to move there. <laughs> okay. But once I win the house, Leanne, right. that's going to cinch the deal. Really well. That's an excellent plan. All right. Good work. Good work. And uh, and your husband had a happy birthday? He Always did. good. Excellent. It all is good. Always good. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we I'm going to do a follow-up on my husband's dinner uh, just shortly here with scalloped potatoes. I, I took a straw poll on Sunday's show 
mashed potatoes versus scalloped potatoes. And the scalloped potatoes won, and they were a winner. And I'm going to reveal some secrets of my scalloped potatoes. But yes. before we get to scalloped potatoes, people scallop- want to know. <laughs> they do. But before we get to scalloped potatoes, let's take a look at Health Magazine's article by Bob Harper, celebrity trainer Bob Harper, on how to really dress thinner. <laughs> because Okay, Leanne, this if, is important. If you eat a lot of scalloped potatoes, you're going to need to want to dress thinner. That's all I'm saying. If you eat my scalloped potatoes potatoes as I met them. All right. So we know Bob Harper. He's on The Biggest Loser and he seems to be everywhere. You know, he's one of those people. He's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So here's what he's saying. All right. He thinks that clothing can be a motivational tool to get and stay healthy. Okay. So, uh, okay. What do you think about that? Well, so if you just, you know, if you just buy clothes that are too small for you, I mean, I think sometimes you just, you know, when your clothes don't fit, like then you don't even want to leave the house and you just sit home and eat more ice cream. Right. So he addresses that. So his first number one tip is to buy bright colors and to get a certain cut of jean that always flatters you. Because when you put on something that actually fits and looks well and lifts your mood, you feel more confident and you're more likely to take care of yourself. So that actually seems to make sense, doesn't it? That's a mood lifter. Yeah. Yeah. And that the outward effect will be that you don't need a chocolate milkshake because you look so good in your, you know, cherry covered jeans. Okay, Bob. (laughs) What if you don't look good in bright colors? I mean... Julie, I, I, don't, I just get the jeans that fit well then, okay, <laughs> okay? and buy a brightly colored necklace. Okay, Lena, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. All right. Okay. All right. Here's another tip from Bob, and this is true. He said, remove leggings from your everyday rotation. They are super comfy, but the problem is you're not going to notice weight creeping up on you because they offer so much give. Oh. Oh. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, let's face it. We have all retreated into our leggings and yoga pants, knowing full well it's because we can't button any of our other pants, right? That you need to buy pants with structure. Yeah. Yeah. Or a zipper. Yes. You know, a button. So like to hold you accountable. So I have seen that tip in other uh, articles. Like when you come home from work, don't change out of your work clothes. Eat dinner in your uncomfortable work clothes. Oh, no. Well, that's wrong. I disagree with that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Bob is just saying, watch wearing the leggings every day. It does become, you know, a slippery slope. All right. Here's where you shouldn't skip on comfort though. And that is your shoes. And okay. I thought that was very interesting that, you know, if you're wearing comfortable shoes, you're going to take the stairs or you're going to park further away and walk more. You might actually add in some extra steps and some extra fitness during the day. If you're well, that's, that's pretty interesting. Cause yeah. you know, cause I think a lot of times you think, well, if I just put on some high heels, I'm going to look thinner, you know, right. but, but if you can't walk in high heels, you know, so, yeah. so this is so, how to really dress thinner, but here's the one where I have a little problem. He said, mm-hmm. finally, if you're having trouble making it to the gym, Wear your sports bra to work under your shirt. No one will know but you. And all day long, you'll have physical reminders of your health goals. Okay, Bob, you wear a sports bra to work all day, all right? Just try it, Bob. I dare you. Put on a freaking sports bra and really tight compression sports bra and wear that to work all day. I mean, that is like... That's like a cure for like a backache and you start to have like cramps. I mean, uh, my sports bra needs to do the job. And so if I end up wearing it like a little bit longer than I should, if I get busy and stay in my, my clothes after working out, I get a headache by the end of the day. <laughs> and there is Your sports com- bra gives you a headache. There is compression happening, Julie. There is compression happening and that does not feel good. 
So, Bob, I am 100% with you until we get to the sports bra. No good, Bob. No good. Can't, can't, can't support that. I don't know. Maybe for other women, but not for me. That's all I'm saying. All right. And then, Julie, also in Health Magazine. Oh, no, it was in Sunset Magazine, which I love. Uh, there was a whole article on do-it-yourself yogurt making. Now, now. Okay, which is supposed to be better for you, Leanne, to make your own yogurt culture and to do that. But And, and don't you remember, really? like, in the I mean, 70s? there are 8,000 million yogurt products I know. in the grocery stores. Why would you make your own? Well, I because mean, now got, we're spending. You know, you have, like, just so many different choices of. <laughs> I know. But now, do, are you there, Jill? Yes. yes okay. I'm here, Okay. I'm here. We had a little cut out. You know, there are a lot of yogurt choices, but we're also spending a lot of money on them. When I look at it, I'm like, good God, we're spending like $30 a week on our yogurt products at our, <laughs> at our house. Between my husband and I, I mean, we're pretty much running the whole, and Brooks, and we all have our own special yogurt needs, and. I'm just wondering. What are you doing with the yogurt? Are you bathing in it or what? That's a lot. Eating yogurt every day. Well, yogurt, it's not cheap. The good Greek yogurt is like $1.50 a thing. I guess $30 does seem extreme, but we eat a lot of yogurt. (laughs) We eat a lot of yogurt. So I'm just asking the people, the Satellite Sisterhood. Like they had a very complicated situation where you actually had to like cook it and like put the culture in this, you know, super nice like thing <laughs> that like, you know, glass jar and clean. let it. You have to have, yeah. You yeah, that's to be clean. <laughs> yes, by super nice, I mean clean. <laughs> clean. <laughs> so, um, so I just uh, feel like, remember in the 70s when mom had that salt and yogurt maker? Yes, I do, Leah. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. wonder if those are still around or if there's anyone in the Satellite Sisterhood that is using a yogurt maker that they can recommend to me that won't be like too much trouble that gets the job done. Particularly if it's in the Greek yogurt category, that seems to be just making like draining stuff out of your regular yogurt. But I am just interested in yogurt making situation as opposed to like a rice cooker or a bread maker, things I won't use, or a juicer. I have no interest interest in, I think I would actually make yogurt. So that's all. Just asking the Satellite Sisterhood for some tips. Leon, if you're, you're, I'm back to the $30 a week on the <laughs> yogurt thing. You're going to need a, a vat in your kitchen. Those little uh, glass jars are not, are certainly not going to, you're going to be making yogurt 24 hours a day. <laughs> I guess, I guess you're right. I mean, maybe it's a stupid idea. I thought I would just try it. You know, yeah. I thought I would you're, just you're try it. You need some commercial. <laughs> yes. If, if you're in the Satellite Sisterhood, yeah. if you are aware of commercial grade <laughs> yogurt makers, and where are you going to get all the materials? I don't know. Where are you going to get? I'm going to get some goats. Gotta... Maybe I'll just turn over the backyard to goats. I don't think that's legal in a registered historic district, but I don't know. <laughs> Let's get some goat milk. Could be, Leon. Could be. Who knows? Okay. I'm just saying. I was interested in it. Uh, Your tips would be appreciated. I know someone out there is making their own yogurt. I'm looking at you, people from Oregon. So let me know. And then on Sunday's show, I tossed out mashed versus scallop potatoes. Uh, Overwhelmingly, Liz, Sheila, and Monica said scallop potatoes that they're a treat. And then people surprisingly asked me for my recipe. Mm-hmm. I will post, I use basically the one that was in the new basics cookbook, you know, uh, but it's the key to scalloped potatoes is you have to make your own 
like white sauce, right? That's it. Yes. It's just mm -hmm. a basic way. It's the butter and flour. Cook that down. This weekend, I actually used whipping cream. So they were so super duper rich uh, mm. because I thought it was a special treat. But then you have to cook that down slowly, you know, so it just really thickens up. But don't overboil it or anything. And then the other key is just slicing the potatoes thin, you know, a uniform size. So they cook uniformly. Mm -hmm. Just stack them. I added a little Parmesan cheese between the layers, a little Parmesan cheese, salt, pepper, and garlic to the white sauce, and then I just dump it over the potatoes. But you do it to cook them for like an hour and a quarter, and then yeah. you have to take them out and let them sit so everything mm -hmm. kind of soaks in, right? That's the key. You don't yeah. want to serve them hot out of the oven. They should sit for at least a half hour so that you know things kind of soak in and they look scallopy. So I will, I will try to find a link to just a basic scalloped potato recipe, but the key is uniformly cutting the potatoes, which takes, you know, a while and some knife skills, and then really making your own white sauce and just cooking it down and letting the natural flavor, you know, come through. And lots of butter, salt, and pepper. Cause my, our, our mom was uh, always made scalloped potatoes. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah. And again, that was her basic recipe. Yeah. Too. So it's yeah. just, it's basic. It's not anything fancy, but it's just good, high quality ingredients and a little bit of time. And there you go. That's it. Mm. That's it. Sounds good, Leanne. Well, you know, the other um, two other big topics that have been at our Facebook group, and anyone can join the Facebook group, and we would encourage you to do so. Um, uh, you just go to the the Satellite Sisters, and uh, Liz still does all the admissions work for the group, right? <laughs> Which, as long as you have friends, then you can be in the group. Right. right? Yes. Isn't that our, isn't that our, yes. our sole criteria yeah. for it? Yes. Uh, so, but there was... You know, we were talking about leisure shoe wear and, uh, you know, there was quite a discussion about Skechers, Leon, which made me think that, um, and I know you have your clog people. And yes. You, you view clogs as a leisure shoe, which yes. is, it really isn't. I don't know what those things are. Um, and do, do you think clogs make you thinner, Leon? <laughs> Julie, I find clogs easy to walk in and easy to stand okay. in. And that's okay. what Bob Harper was saying. They don't necessarily make me look thinner, but they might make me be more active, which ultimately okay, is better for good. me. Well, I think you should get yourself a pair of Skechers from the amount of, of, of comments we've had about Skechers shoes and how how just useful they are and comfortable they are. And you can go anywhere in them, Liam. So <laughs> no, there was a lot of pro sketcher talk and those are really cute shoes. So yeah. I think, cause you had said you were searching for some, you know, leisure sneakers and people love the sketchers. So there you go. It surprises me. There's something about the brand sketchers. I can't get over, but those were <laughs> cute shoes. <laughs> they were cute shoes. Yeah. Cute shoes. So I'm very pro pro sketchers. Okay. So that was number one. And then, um, you know, we're always on, you know, we, we invented toast, Elaine and I, we, 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 we are single-handedly responsible for the resurgence, sort of the craziness of this toast craze that's going on right now. You know, uh, just there, there's toast everywhere, Leanne, thanks yes. to you and me, yes. because we heard that it was going, you know, that was a trend. We heard it was going out of favor and you and I just expressed our love of toast and that we were going to try to bring back toast and we brought it back in a big way. <laughs> we really have. We, so, it's that and saving Friday night lights. I consider two of our greatest professional accomplishments when we save yes. that television show from go, so, going someday off the air. the Academy, the Peabot. Peabody, the Peabody, we're going to get a Peabody for that one. <laughs> Someday we will, Jill. If not this week, because we didn't get one this week, but maybe next year. 
Um, but now the big the big sort of new flavor that people are talking about and they were talking people were talking about it on our Facebook group is cucumber uh, that like cucumber water and Gatorade has a new flavor that I inadvertently bought because uh, sometimes I do some some hard exercising here in Texas and I get very dehydrated I'm sweating a lot and I do drink Gatorade from time to time I like it I, I feel like it replenishes me. And I somehow, in my rush at uh, CVS, grabbed the wrong bottle of Gatorade and ended up with cucumber Gatorade. How was it? It is the worst. It is the worst (laughs) thing I have ever tasted. I mean, I took the first sip and I really almost wanted to spit it out right there on the ground in front of people. It's it's just so bad. But other people love it. They they now think it's their favorite flavor. I don't really like cucumbers in my water. You know, I just say, you know, when you go places and they, oh, would you like a cucumber water? No, no, I don't. No, just water. I don't want to like with those seeds and that. No. Okay. I, I I can't believe you buy Gatorade. I just I I have I know, never. I know it's controversial. I know it's controversial. I don't care. Okay. 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 I just don't want to faint. All right. A little Gatorade is yeah. not going to kill me. No. Okay? I, and it's meant for climates like yours, and it's meant to be uh, used occasionally to replenish. It's not meant to be. You know, 12 of them a day. You're not burning that many calories. You're not that dehydrated. So that I understand. But even the picture of that cucumber Gatorade, just that green that is not found in nature. And there are many greens found in nature. So, okay, that's a good... Stay away from the cucumber Gatorade. But I think uh, the point was be on the lookout for cucumber as the next toast. Cucumber mm-hmm. and everything. So that's good to know. The next, the next bit, coconut maybe. The next coconut. I could go for coconut. I don't know. I don't know about cucumber. Yeah. So. Well, Leanne, I did want to mention a story. You and I are both parents. Um, and so from time to time, we do a little parenting talk. And there was an interesting uh, editorial by David Brooks, uh, who uh, writes for the New York Times, uh, a while, the last couple a while back about, and the name of the editorial was Love and Merit. And he was writing about that there are now two features that really define child rearing, you know, as, as far as he sees it. One is praise, you know, that, that we have gone out of our way, you know, in this generation to make sure our, our you know, that we are pumping up our kids with self-esteem and that we are praising them all the time for what they do. And, you know, we're giving out trophies and we're having ceremonies, you know, the usual. Right. And then the other thing that we, our generation that was not done in previous generations is that we have really tried to hone our children's talents to an unprecedented degree. And we've all done okay. this, you know, yeah. whether it's in school, you know, real emphasis on academics or it's, you know, in sports, it's, you know, the train, it's the training, it's the discipline, it's the camps or, you know, it's a special, you know, whatever we're doing that we have become more competitive about our kids. We live in a culture of meritocracy. We see that, like, if you don't, like, hound your kids to, like, work hard in school or, you know, to really excel at some extracurricular activity, they are going to be totally out of, you know, out of the loop. Left behind. Yes. Yep. Left behind. Yes. Yes. So David Brooks is making the comment that what we're doing is we are bathing our children in love, but it's kind of conditional love. 
that we love, you know, you're saying to your child, I love you. I love you. I love you when you stay up on that balance beam, you know? Oh, uh, and, and children perceive this dif- difference. They, they perceive it that because we're giving all this praise, but yet at the same time, we're sort of honing their skills and we're, you know, we're making sure they know they have to compete in this world. They have to, they, the children perceive this as that love has to be earned and that, you know, they fear that it is not there if, if they don't perform and don't do well. So that's an interesting sort of proposition that presents an interesting dilemma. I can see, I can see where the kids might connect the two things. Right. And that, you know, even though many parents that, that are even closer to their children in terms of how much they communicate with them and, you know, uh, and how involved they are, um, you know, it, it, we still are doing this sort of, you know, you know, this conditional love. So in the short run, it may have very positive results that by by really focusing on, you know, the meritocracy and their achievements, um, it does, you know, in many cases, the kids, you know, the kids achieve, they get into colleges, they, you know, get these jobs and stuff, but they end up feeling like they are, you know, you know, they feel less worthy as adults, because the love was always conditional, you know, oh, it's well, a, I'm exhausted. You know, parental I, love. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah, I, know. I mean, it's really so hard. much to think because, about all the I time, know. <laughs> you know, especially when you're genuinely praising them for, Oh, good job at that. You know, I mean, I, I'm not a big believer. Well, we all, I mean, there are, I think it's nice to say good job at things or that was great. Or I love watching yeah. you do this. It's kind of natural if you are so, but I know that parents have gone over the top and you know, we seem to, uh, we seem to give them trophies for everything. Although I don't think that really goes on as much as uh, parents, parenting calmness say it does, but um you know, it's it's hard to hold back when they actually do something good. It's hard to solve that dilemma if they're actually pretty good at something. What are you supposed to do? I, I don't I don't know. I mean, and it's not like, you know, and I don't think, you know, just allowing your kids to like lie on the couch and watch right. TV is not is that's not the answer either. Aim so. low. Aim low, kids. Aim low. <laughs> well, I, I mean, saw an interesting I, corollary story. Uh, I think it was in the Times or the Huffington Post last week, and it was about uh, creating passions in our children. And that's such a grown-up notion that we would all like have this passion at 15 that we could explore through high school, and that would look great on our college application. And you know, there are plenty of kids that plenty of people that don't find their passion until they're 40 years old. Like why we insist on our teenagers developing their passion is 100% because of the college applications and our perceived competition in that area. And so that made me laugh. Like you're right. Passion. First of all, you really need to be into something for it to be a passion. You can like things before it's a passion. I think Mm -hmm. passion's kind of an over overused word anyway, these days. Uh, But yeah, expecting like a 16 year old, to really like have a passion about something that's crazy some do but most won't mm-hmm. and uh but right. but the alternative is letting them sit on the <laughs> letting them sit on the couch right i mean that you're supposed to have i mean parental love and i think we all know this right and this is what we try to do we want it right. to be unconditional right we, we don't want it to be it to be linked to a particular achievement that you know that the that, you know, that there shouldn't be, you know, there, uh, you know, any connection between, you know, that you love your child, whether they succeed or not, 
but yet we live in this society where you know you're there it is a culture of meritocracy and you know you know here's david brooks writing in the new york times which you know is constantly pointing out the merit you know it is the epitome of meritocracy right, right? isn't it so um but it is it is something to think about about you know, uh, about your parenting style or what you've done in the past or, you know, what you can do in the future to improve that. So your children know, you know, uh, no matter what, that you're there for them. So, I mean, cause I don't, I don't know that you, I, I didn't, I don't think I fully realized that children would perceive a difference, right. you right. know, that they would, would perceive it as that, well, love has to be earned when I'm, when I was saying, do your homework, when, <laughs> you know what I mean? do your homework or I'm not going to love you. No, no, I wasn't really, I just, but you still have to do your homework, right? Right. It's funny. I mentioned on the show over the weekend, like just mothers of boys apologizing to mothers of girls. And I I got a lot of mothers of boys on the Facebook page responding because boys just tend to be, um, you know, lame in certain areas, just no planning. And that their unofficial motto is I got this when they got nothing. Like they just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely nothing. So it is sometimes when you're the mother of a teenage boy, it's hard to think of anything to praise them for. Right. And it does just become a constant, as I said to a friend of mine yesterday, because we both have junior boys, you know, and now it's that from here for the next year, it's just a constant stream of nagging. Like yes, you yes. just put your nag button on and it doesn't come <laughs> off. Did you register for the ACT? Did you get your summer job? Like her oh. son had just blown off a summer job interview for the second time. She's like, cause he fell asleep on the couch. You know, I was like, okay, just back down, back down. You know, and it's just a constant series of nagging. So it's hard for me to think of anything. I look for anything to praise them for now. Oh my gosh. You put your shoes in the laundry room. Good job. Good Good job. job. Good job. I know. But who knew? Who who knew that saying, I love you. Good job. Could be so detrimental. Could be so detrimental. Well, where's the happy medium, Julie? I don't know. I don't know where it is. All right, coming up, we have uh, Outlander, so stay I, with I'm us. Not certainly, but good <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, Julie and I have a book nook, uh, but first I want to alert, we have a lot of readers in the Satellite Sisterhood, and this time of year I try, we all try to put together a list of best beach bag books. Uh, we'll be doing that again for the summer months. That list usually comes out in May. So if you've read any books recently that you loved, uh, feel free. I'm going to post it on my author page. If you haven't liked my Facebook page, it's just Leanne Dolan Author, uh, and it's easier for me to sort of gather book information over there. It's always fun to exchange what we're reading and what we've loved, particularly looking for books that have recently come out. So uh, books, you know, it's great if there's a book on the bestseller list that you've loved, you know, for two years or something, and that's great. But always looking to bring new books and new titles and new writers to the Satellite Sisterhood. I'm lining up a series of interviews, Julie, already working on that uh, with some writers. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, I will put a little link on the on my author page, Leanne Dolan Author, and you can and uh, give me your title and we'll try to put together a list and put that up on the website. Um, but Julie, you said you had a big reveal for book. Now. I did Leon. I did. Lean. Well, I want to tell you what my book is. Um, the book that I think everyone would like, even, uh, regardless of, um, of, you know, where you are, or where you're going is a book written by Mark Adams. And it's not a new book. It's out in paperback, but it's called turn right 
at Machu Picchu. It's oh. rediscovering the lost city one step at a time. Do you know this book, Liam? I have seen that. I think it's a great title. So I have seen this book. Yes. Okay, and I think so it was this- a big, it was a big hit. It was a bestseller. Yeah. Yes. It was a New York Times bestseller. And Mark Adams is a New York based writer who really had, you know, his, you know, no business, you know, hiking around or anything like that. But he wanted to retrace Hiram Bingham's trek to discover Machu Picchu. And, you know, Bingham was really he was the he was uh, the inspiration for Harrison Ford's uh, Indiana Jones character. Okay, he was a real guy. He was a Yale professor and he was a initially credited with finding Machu Picchu. And then later on, he was recast as a villain who stole priceless artifacts from the country of Peru. Okay. Uh, Probably both of which are true, actually. Is right? Yes. Yes. So, So it's sort of both ways. But it is just a fascinating book. It's fun and fascinating to read. And it has just the right amount of detail. So even if you never want to go to Machu Picchu, but you're sort of interested in it, I th- you would totally like this like this book and unrest there. So uh, <laughs> because, because you'd be tried as an ISIS spy. Yeah, that's a good idea. Not even to travel to Syria now. Okay, that, so, I can see the headline, Urban Nana Joins ISIS. That'd be good. Uh, I mean, it would be good for us, actually. It's some, piqued some interest, but okay. So, fine. Okay, so that's uh, that was Plan A. So we had to we had to uh, sort of back off that. So, but uh, you know, we both were fascinated in going to Machu Picchu. So we are going uh, this uh, in the month of May. We're going to go to Machu Picchu and oh, do that. Fantastic! So, so I'm great. doing a little reading on it. But this book is just it, it's just fun and fascinating to read. And, you know, just as a little Dolan history, um, when we, we grew up in Fairfield, Connecticut, and uh, our mother on rainy days, because she had eight children, you know, was always looking for some place to like take us or do go places. And we used to go to the Peabody Museum at Yale University. Well, don't you know, this is where all the stolen priceless artifacts that Hiram Bigham (laughs) that he got from Peru and from Machu Picchu, this is where they were, you know, and when we were growing up, they were still there. You know, um, in the book, he writes about the big discussion, legal uh, battle that Yale and the country of Peru had to reclaim the artifacts that Bingham had brought out. But um, I think. All right. Again, just a reminder, if you've written, if you've read a book lately, a new book, you want to see it on our best beach bag books list, you can go to Lee and Dolan, my author page. I'll be taking suggestions and checking thing out, checking things out. And we take from all categories, nonfiction, fiction, Julie, this travel book, that sounds like one I'll just put on the list. Cause even though it's been on the bestseller list, it may be a title that you didn't pick up. So good personal connection, something that's worked for you. We would love to hear that. You can go to the Facebook page and let me know about that. All right. It's time now for our weekly recap of, uh, Outlander, uh, this week, um, sister Sassnatch, we're going to cover, I forgot to write down the title in the episode. Did you happen to do it in episode 11? It it was like going back to Lally Brook. Okay. We'll just, that's what we're going to call this week's episode, Liam. Okay. So in this episode, Julie, uh, there are a couple things that stood out for me. I'll go through what happened. But the first thing is that Captain Randall, every time he is on screen, my skin crawls. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that. And speaking of skin, 
there was a skinny dipping scene. That's an all-time great scene. I mean. Well. Can I just say, Leanne, I wish I had an old mill that needed fixing. <laughs> In that moment, I was like, why couldn't I have a water wheel at my house? I mean, move over Colin Firth and your wet white linen shirt. That's all I'm saying because, woo, I mean, that certainly perked everybody up in the room, which was me. Yes. Uh, and then, and then it also was a reminder that, you know what? Families are always families and there are issues and they go back deep and they go back hard. And that what was, that's what was happening in this week's episode of Outlander. And then my last observation, Julie, would be, that I think it looks romantic to ride on a horse for like five minutes. <laughs> and then after that, travel by horseback looks terrible. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, they got off even by, before they got to the, uh, to the house. You know, they're just I'm like, why were they walking? I, it's, I think it's, it's a long way over the Scottish Highlands. <laughs> it so. really is. Even though that was a beautiful aerial shot. So here's what happens. Jamie now on the verge of getting a pardon from the English Duke of Sandringham goes home. He's able to take Claire back to Lallybrook, his family home. He hasn't been there in four years, ever since he was flogged and flogged and flogged again by Captain Randall. The last time he saw his sister, she was being led upstairs, presumably to be assaulted by Captain Randall. So Jamie hasn't seen his sister Jenny, hasn't been back to the family home since all of this happens. And he arrives and there is probably the coldest family welcome I've ever seen because there's a, a small boy named Jamie. Jamie mm -hmm. assumes it's the product of the sexual assault that was uh, visited on his sister Jamie by Captain Randall. And he is, he is annoyed and he is peeved at his sister Julie that she has named the little boy Jamie. Yeah, and that, right off the bat. Yeah. So. Things go very south. And she's not having any of it either. That Jenny, she's happy for about 12 seconds to see him. And then she's like putting down Claire. She's telling Jamie that nothing's changed. That was a cold reception, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, the 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 only good part about the reception was were the dogs oh, in the they opening were awesome. scene. Yeah. The Great Dane, who I did a little background research, his name is Bran, okay? okay. And that's Fraser's it's a stag hound. It's not a great great dane, but a stag hound. And then his little friend Luke is the rat terrier. You know, the, so those two dogs feature prominently in this week's episodes. They were that was a long lingering shot of the dogs yes. as they arrived. Yeah. Didn't you didn't you notice that? Yeah. But yeah, they got right into it. And it was, I mean, I was chuckling because, you know, we have lots of brothers, sisters, brothers and sisters. And we, from time to time, we've had arguments and fights. And so they got just right into it. And it wasn't like Jenny was giving any room to her brother, you know, like she was like, oh, you, so you think I, you know, she, you know, he had come to the wrong conclusion about her, but she wasn't, she wasn't giving in, right? She right. was just giving it right back. Well, the whole episode, the common refrain was those Frasers, they have Hard heart, hard heads and soft hearts. So that was, that was, and, and they look good naked. Uh, so that would be also true of the Fraser family. Okay. So then we, we learned that Jenny knows she's married. Uh, she's, she's properly married. 
the child is not the product of a sexual assault. Her husband is, was he a former, was he a former like soldier with Jamie? Wasn't yes, that was it? it? Yeah. Fought with Jamie in France yeah. Yeah, and lost his leg there. Um, and so he has a peg leg. Yeah. Uh, so he was wa- walking around on that. Yeah. All right. So then, then they get into the house. The true story comes out. We get flashbacks of Jamie being flogged, of the sexual assault, of how Jenny humiliated Randall by laughing at him. And he wasn't actually able to carry out the sexual assault. And that all plays into it because both the brother and the sister have a tremendous amount of guilt of what happened that day. Jamie's carrying yes. around the idea that if he had just accepted, uh, you know, his flogging and a rape by, by, uh, by Randall, that perhaps Jenny wouldn't have been raped. And Jenny feels like if she hadn't laughed, maybe Jamie's fate wouldn't have been so bad. And then we also learn that they both kind of feel like they killed the father who drops dead. <laughs> Just really just dropped dead. I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but... Elian, I almost dropped dead when they had the flashback scene with uh, Jenny and Captain Randall, because that was an (laughs) F-O-W-S, the full-on wiener shot, okay? (laughs) This show just continues to leave me gobsmacked. I mean, every week I have to brace myself, like, where is it going to go this week? I just did not see that coming. I mean, maybe because you've read the books. I have not read these books. I had no idea we were going to have an F-O-W-S there. I mean, that's a good term. Something, huh? Well, you know, we see time and time again in this book that it's like very physical country, you know, that's like the body, there's not a lot of pretense over, you know, being naked or the body or sex or flogging or rape or this is, or there's just all part of the makeup of this time and this place. So you're right. That was, was full on wiener shot. Good one. Good one. Good one. All right. But then here's what happens. Like they're not in the house. Jamie and Claire are in the house two minutes and Jenny and her husband, Ian, they got to move their stuff out of the Laird's room. That never goes over well with the ladies. Does it, Jewel? No, it doesn't, Leanne. In fact, in that moment, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder what it would be like if Trem and I just showed up at your house and we moved in with you and Barrick. The Laird of Pasadena shows up. The Laird of Pasadena. We've got to move out of the big room. and You've got to move out of the big room and down to the guest room. Yeah. yeah. How would that be? What do you think? I know. I was just it's, chuckling. Yeah, that was, that's, that's kind of rough. It's but, pretty um, much rule 101 on how to piss off your sister-in-law. I mean, yes. really. <laughs> you're British, you're beautiful, and you show up and you take her bedroom. That in like five minutes. So things are not going well, but then there is a celebration. Every, don't worry, Jamie's identity will be protected. Everyone's happy to see Jamie. You know, Jamie wants to be the Laird his father was. So even though there have been financial troubles, no, don't go, don't pay me rent. Don't hit your kids. Don't do this. Jamie's trying to be, uh, yes, I'll have a drink with you. Jamie's trying to be the big man on campus and um, gets very, very drunk <laughs> and passes yes. out. Yes, he does. That tax day looked pretty fun. It did. Didn't it? I I was just thinking that looks so much better than April 15th. Yeah. And maybe we should reconsider serfdom. You know, that (laughs) probably, maybe that's a better system. You know, everybody seemed pretty happy. There was a lot of food and festivities and libations. So 
People brought Claire jam, which I thought was really nice. Pots of jam and plants. That was very nice. They were far more welcoming. And then, of course, Jamie in his uh, in his hangover kind of gets some business from his sister about how could you do that? They needed to pay the rent. You, you're not, you know, you're not the boss of me is basically his sister's attitude. So he stomps off to fix the mill, which isn't working. <laughs> and oh yes, oh yes. Let's spend some time lingering. On that broken mill, Leon. Well, Julie, something is stuck in that wheel, and he's got to take his clothes off and go swimming and unstick it. <laughs> so. All of his clothes have to come off, Leon. I mean, not just not you know not just his pants, but he had to take his shirt off too. Yes. And the water was cold, Liam. Very cold. Very Very cold cold. water. And then, don't you know, a British guard shows up. And and that's why he has to... He goes in with his shirt on, but then he has to remove his shirt because he doesn't want the British soldiers to see him underwater. That's what I thought, or I don't know. All we know is the shirt comes up on the wheel wheel of the mill, and uh, women all over the world swoon (laughs) because they know what's coming next. So the British soldier, he thinks he's fixed the mill and he goes off and Jamie emerges from the water and uh, it's a lingering shot. It's a, is that the water current is, uh, is it's high, barely high enough land, you know, and it's uh, rippling by, you know, so. Excellent way to put it. Excellent way to put it. But Mm -hmm. in that moment, which is, uh, you know, exciting for many of us uh, who are sitting at home on the couch, it first, it's the big reveal for the sister, just how badly Jamie has been flogged. And then the two of them are able to make up. They confess that they both feel guilty about this, that they should have done this. We, you know, Jamie should have done that. We learn over the course of the episode that Jamie could have, uh, could have, he thinks, could have gotten away without the second flogging if he had just, quote, given over his body to Captain Jack Randall. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, like, cringe every time you see Jack Randall on screen, now you know he's really sordid. He's really, you know, he's really an evil, awful man. He's sadistic. And as Claire points out, of course he would have flogged you afterwards. No matter what you did, if you had made that choice to give yourself over to him, he was going to flog you anyway. She's pretty calm. But there's a lot of deep revelations in this episode, Julie. Yeah, I thought it was really good. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't sort of the action-packed ones that uh, some of the previous episodes would be. But I really liked the brother-sister relationship. I like how it sort of developed and was revealed and how sort of their own, you know, guilt and uh, uh, about their their actions, how they how they apologized for that and sort of came back together. So I, I enjoyed it, Leanne. Yeah, and then the last scene, we have two masked men appear, you know, two strange men, and they take, you know, they take Jamie hostage, and Claire appears. So that's where we're left. I We don't know what's going to happen next. No, uh, no. But we hope there's more swimming involved. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe Jamie will swim to safety from. Yes, that could be just, or just throw another crank in that old mill. So he has to go back to fix there. Leon, I did want to point out at the beginning of the episode, uh, they were promoting the outlander sweepstakes. Did you, uh, did you No, uh, I didn't that? notice that. Yes, I was very excited. So outlander sweepstakes. And so, you know, I'm in because of course I think I'm going to win, but here's the bad part. You don't get to go to Scotland. They're going to send you to San Diego and you get to go to Comic-Con. Oh, so that doesn't seem right. No. I mean, 
That's like that's we want to go to Scotland. Right. I mean, I don't know who's in charge of sweepstakes <laughs> at, for Outlander, but you got it all wrong. Okay, we want that. We want to go with the kilts. We want to go to the stream. We want to see the old mill. We want to. You know, we want to go up and press our hands on those stones and do some time travel. <laughs> you don't think that's going to be possible at the San Diego Convention Center? No. Because they did set up last year. I was there. They had they had marauding bands of men in kilts there. They did a good job. They had like dozens of guys wandering the streets of Comic-Con in their kilts. And they had created a fake, um, a fake castle inside at the convention center. But I believe you're right, Julie. It's not quite the same as the real thing. <laughs> so, but you should enter anyway. You know, I feel like you're going to win the HGTV yes, house and you're going to win this and you're going to go to Machu Picchu. And that's pretty much a great spring for you. That'd be be a good spring. Yes, it would. That's <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, anything else going on, Julie? I continue to watch that show, The Royals. Okay, I'm Lana. so ashamed of myself, but I have to tell you, Elizabeth Hurley last week, she is the. It's not even like she's acting. She delivers every line with the same tone and force so even if she's saying you know my son robert the king is dead or if she, last week there was a scene where she was seducing the young bodyguard and she said have you heard oh, the pledge have you heard the phrase at her majesty's pleasure she says it exactly the same way announcing her She's the worst actress I've ever seen. And then last week she was joined by Joan Collins. So it was like a bad act oh. off between the two of them. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I missed that. I'm going to have to look up for that later. Well, of course we are on baby watch for the real Royal. <laughs> real yes. 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 Uh, so uh, we're sending good wishes uh, to Kensington palace. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're the satellite sisters. You got anything coming up this week, Jewel? Anything? No, uh, I, well, again, just going up and down the stairs a lot because I'm going to Machu Picchu, <laughs> right. okay. and I think I'm going to get some uh, some high altitude medicine too. Those are my my two big things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I actually tomorrow am hosting a luncheon uh, at the Huntington for oh. um, the new head of the Huntington Library. So that's a big organization we have here is a woman named Laura Scandera Trombley. She'll be the first woman to take over. And she's currently the president of Pitzer College, one of the Claremont Colleges. So she's done an absolutely bang up job, uh, 10 years at Pitzer. And now she's going, taking over the Huntington. So I had done, I've interviewed her before and I wrote a cover story for Pasadena Magazine this month about her. And so I'm excited to talk to her tomorrow. It's a women in business luncheon. So we're going to talk about her leadership style and, you know, making the trans. She was a, she was a, she's a Mark Twain scholar. So she oh, has her good. PhD, but, you know, she decided very early on in her career, she had great mentors that um, encouraged her to reach, uh, reach high. And she said, they believed in me more than I believed in myself. And so she got into administration and she worked some smaller jobs. And then she took over at Pitzer 10 years ago and has just done an unbelievable job there and is now ready to take on the Huntington. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, Lena, but, that, will be a, uh, that will be a good thing. I'm yeah. sure going to do a fine job and you'll wear bright colors tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing... tip to well, here's the thing. They changed the date on me. Like I had this date on my calendar about eight months ago, but they changed mm -hmm. the date, but I never changed the date. So Liz was in town. She's like, maybe we should have a business lunch Wednesday and talk about things. I'm like, yeah, I'll come out to your office. And then I, yesterday I had to email her like, oh my God. 
Oh my God. I have to host a giant luncheon Wednesday. I had totally forgotten. I thought it was Thursday. Phew. Just in the nick of time. I mean, that you is... saved yourself. I oh know. My it, happens to, it happens to everyone. It, ha- it was my worst. It's my worst fear to not show up at these events mm-hmm. because I get asked to do a lot of events, but the asks come in from all these different sources. And yes, I have a calendar, but still things change and I booked them so far in advance. And uh, so, whoo, I am glad I'm going to show up tomorrow. <laughs> that was that luncheon. Yes, I'm sure they're glad to. That would have been really bad. (gasps) All right, we're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.